Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Welcome back to House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in, take your shoes off, hat, coat, whatever you want, throw it onto the table, and come on into the living room because sitting by the fireside here today, our good friend continuing on with post-wrestling week, on the road to Forbidden Door, it is John Pollock. John, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thanks for the invite, Nick. I'm happy to uh, continue post-wrestling week here at the House of Wrestling. Well, I had like a post-wrestling week continued for me technically a little bit on Wednesday too because you have won a fan over me with you and Brandon Thurston as a a duo here. You guys have had some really good shows here. And uh, yesterday was no different. I thought the Meltzer won the interview you did yesterday. What a fascinating bit of what a fascinating conversation it was with you two and Dave. Well, thanks. Yeah, any time uh, we can we can get Dave on, it's always uh, interesting to kind of just go into uh, wh- wherever the conversation goes. It's always one of those where you can go in where, with and just go in many different uh, directions and stuff. But certainly, I mean, with uh, with Dave, like the CM Punk stuff is sort of a front of mind for everybody. And I mean, you two have certainly been among those that have kind of been in, in, in the thick of things with this whole story uh, throughout the last year. I was on bated breath listening to you and Brandon and Dave yesterday because there's there's like a tone in Dave's voice I hear right now that hasn't been. It's like I don't want to say you can hear the frustration in Dave's voice because I don't know if it's exactly frustration or just like you know, anxiety or whatever, but you could tell that this is a really complicated situation that even he is having a tough time threading the needle with about how to talk about in this moment. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I think all of us can, can sympathize with that when you, when you are told certain things and how it is, you know, whether it is off the record or, and just seeing how it plays out publicly versus what your knowledge is of what the story is going on. And I think Dave has said as much that this has been a situation where, it never should have gotten to this point that it never should have gotten to all out. And all, if you go back to one of his issues in, in August, it was just a few weeks out. I mean, it's astounding how he pretty much wrote that there was this powder keg and how it was forming and that it needs to be addressed now because some blow up is going to inevitably occur if all of this. So I think he's looking at it from like, he could see this from 30,000 feet of what was about to happen. It happens and look at what the the reverberations have been throughout this company. This has been the cloud that, I mean, depending on your perspective, it's either great for attention or it's been very detrimental to get past it to the next chapter of this company. 
Well, here's the other thing. Too. Here, by the way, before I, I want to finish, I do want to continue on at this because there was a couple things Dave said that we can talk about here. But yeah, first I'd of love all, to hear your thoughts too. Oh, yeah. we're gonna get into them. Yeah, but what one of the uh, I want to let everybody know, of course, if you are watching us right now in video form, uh, the debut, the release of every House of Wrestling episode Tuesday, Thursday goes down noon Eastern right here on Premier Streaming Network. Catch us here uh, before it hits the podcast waves. Uh, we are in Technicolor, and uh, we join a, another or a bunch of great other content over on Premier Streaming Network. So sign up for Premier Plus over at watchonpremier.com, uh, and you can enjoy this show, first run in video form, the only place to find House of Wrestling in video form, Premier Streaming Network. Of course, you want to support us, houseofwrestling.com, H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. That's the home base for all things House of Wrestling. I write about everything we talk about here on the show, so you can get even more out of all the content you hear about here today. And, of course, go to the House of Wrestling podcast feed, Great new audio on top of all the audio from the House of Wrestling uh, shows we do here on Premiere. Dylan Postle, Gringo Loco. The Gringo Loco interview blew up. So go check that out. That dropped on Monday. All on the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Okay. So now back to this Dave Meltzer uh, interview. I forget exactly where we left off uh, in this conversation. Um, but I do know that I wanted to talk about how Dave had, uh, Oh, no, I do. I remember exactly where I wanted to, to pick up from this. So you were talking about how Dave had kind of seen this powder keg coming. And I, like everyone, was following the story. But I have pre-existing relationships with with both Colt Cabana and, uh, you know, CM Punk. We'll call them by their, we'll call them by their worker names. Um, and, you know, because of that, because of what I'd been through in the trial, having up close watched these guys have to try to share space knowing there was this weird awkwardness going on because I was one of the few people that actually saw them in the room together because there was no video. Nobody knew what this thing looked like. And you could feel the tension between these two guys. They had their own little legal tables, own little lawyers. You knew something was up. Even afterwards when I was trying to get – couldn't get a duo interview, separate interviews, and then they parted ways. So if you go back on the road to all of what happened to All Out, All Out was the payoff to – Dave's reporting mixed with me actually asking about the reporting on the way in person because I gave them, I thought, and I thought at the time, and and looking back, I know it's everything looks weird and different, but I was attempting to give them every opportunity. I asked Hangman Page and Scrums about it. I asked Punk about it. I asked Tony Khan about it. And at no point did, did they take the chance to wrap their arms around it. And it's like, you could see it in real time playing out in public that way. You could see it playing out in the sheets with Dave Meltzer and, and others reportings. And then, boom, powder keg explodes, just like you say, it all out. I mean, I don't know how people didn't see it coming now that we look back on it. Well, and that's where I think when you when you look at it all, like for me, it was a case of. So if if we go backwards, starting with the. The promo with with Hangman and Punk going into double or nothing. I mean, certainly that that was like a tip off point that even if the viewer isn't fully digesting what that line meant, those that are in charge of that segment and understanding, okay, here is our first red flag. This has now gone from uh, issues in the back to bearing itself out on television. Then, I mean, th that goes you know with they get through the match at least. Then you have. Punk's rebuttal after the injury. And to me, that one was, this is not just a subtle line that's worked into a promo. This is actively stopping your program to address something that you are going in no direction of. And at that point, like, how are we continuing with 
And I'm not saying nothing was done, but the fact is this was not remedied at that point where literally our show was stopped momentarily to call out our baby face and make him look like a fool on television. <sighs> and it, like at this point, it's like, like it's not to me like this guy almost like hijacked the show momentarily while also like what fan is watching that not thinking, okay, punk and hangman is the natural direction here. It was not the direction at all. No. And, and again, we're continuing to go here. So all of this is getting built up. It's playing out on your television. Something had to give at this point, And that is the culmination. All right. This is wonderful because so we had, I had way on Tuesday earlier in post wrestling week, Way, I'm sure you know, very optimistic that money will be made here on the Elite Punk program at some point. I am less optimistic. That's just how it is right now. Things could always change, and I hope they do. I hope hatchets get buried. But, yeah, we, uh, you know, I think after especially listening to Dave Meltzer's interview with you yesterday, man, I'm even more in the camp. that the, I mean, I was surprised at how... I didn't, I mean, I don't I kept thinking about the tone of his voice. It's like scared to talk about it, but like I, I it was worse than I expected. I did I I you know with as having been at collision and dynamite last night in person, feeling the energy of the room. I'm reading online that the energy from these shows seems to have been better than recent shows. It seems as if punk is back and there's really no undeniability thing. This this guy, the train is back on the tracks. For these guys to still now be even more upset, I don't know how that plays out. That doesn't seem like a, especially after listening to Meltzer yesterday, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any money made between these two sides. Do you, do you agree with that or no? It's, it's, it's very hard just the way that pro wrestling, that so many of these guys, they're always hardwired that at the end of it is how, how do we, how do we make a work out of, out of this? But this is also an interesting situation where traditionally, like if we're going back and there was a there was a personal issue in Memphis and what can pop the Mid-South Coliseum next Monday, I mean, they would frequently delve into personal issues because we would be paid based off of the gate. We're in a totally different world now where even like these guys are all, whether they work together or don't work together, they're making the same amount of money. Now you can have, now this can certainly help AEW by exploiting this this real life feud onto your television that your audience is craving and that there are enough breadcrumbs left on television to lead you in that direction but is there that incentive if you're if if you are a Matt or Nick Jackson it's we're making the same amount either way we don't want to work with this guy so what is our incentive to to put business first versus not like you're sort of in that that driver's seat where there isn't necessarily that monetary incentive there is for the health of the company if you want to um grab attention there there is kind of though right because they are in active contract negotiations by all accounts right now and it would seem this is a time where you're trying to build as much value for yourself as possible while attempting to get more money from the other side, especially when it looks like there could be a lot more money to be spent on in the very near future if everybody can make everything work. I don't know if that resonates or not. You know what I mean? I, I see that. And I, I guess like that would be in your idea that like where is the value of the bucks now? I would still categorize it as pretty high in in, in the company of, of where they are and that they would have options. So certainly like you could state that if they 
politically, if they attach themselves to this program now, um, this is something you, it, 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 it's a great point in that if you were to launch this this summer, losing these guys would be detrimental to this program when it's in midstream. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, if they, if they can uh, say, you know what, we'll work with punk, but we'll work with him after the new deal is signed and we're going to need XX next. You're going to try to get monetarily something back for that. Right. Like, and you know, obviously I'll throw some of the, throw some of the numbers in here. So Russell Nomics, uh, Thurston through my, uh, threw this into my email box yesterday, got everybody excited. Uh, AEW collision drew 816,000 viewers, a 0.33 in the 18 to 49 demo to real easily summarize this. It was overall viewership very slightly down from where dynamite was on Wednesday, but up in the key demo and up in a way where collision drew a demo, a key demo rating that was better than anything dynamite had done all the way back. I think March 22nd is, is when he said the last one was there. So punk undeniably drew here. And I, I heard you guys talk about, you know, how, how this Saturday, you know, where the viewership is a month from now, all that's very, very important. I'm not, I, you know, I don't know that I'm going to, am I, am I wrong for thinking that I don't know that we're going to see the same kind of dip that we saw for dynamite and rampage. The energy around this whole situation feels very, very different to me, especially with how well the punk comeback came, uh, came across because it's like he came back. The world didn't go into a nuclear apocalypse People seem to think Punk is cool. People like Punk. He's obviously doing, he's telling good, I don't know about good stories, but he's telling some stories in the ring that people seem to be enjoying. I don't know. I don't, I, 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 this could be a very fascinating test of CM Punk's drawing ability because I think they've got something here that's very different than what, what happened with the launch of Dynamite and Rampage. Well, I mean, this show is completely different without CM Punk. Like he will be given all of the credit, all of the blame of wherever this show is in a month or two. And I think that you you introduced him in a really effective fashion last week. I think that the follow-up uh, this week, you've got him wrestling a, a second time in, in the multi-man. And that's ultimately, like, they are, it's Saturday night, which is a tough night. I don't know if they're going to be able to maintain what they did week one. But, you know, a, a small drop-off is not going to be seen as a as a strong negative. They were third for the night on cable. They were second in 18 to 34. When you're performing like that on Saturday night, if they can maintain, I would say anything from a 0.26 and above, you're looking at this as a, you know, a strong launch of collision. And punk is probably going to be that difference maker between where this would be with, without him. So he is absolutely the, the key to success. And it's, yeah, it's simply maintaining that. I think week one, people that tuned in, I think you felt like, this was an A show. This did not feel as though this was a watered down dynamite. In many ways, I felt like it had some distinct differences to dynamite, which you want to have. You don't want to just mirror the show you get on Wednesday and try to replicate it. I think you want to make some, and this will take some time, some philosophical differences between the show. And if, as you've laid out, like punk is exclusive to this show, then that's a big reason for people to check out this show because you're not going to get that on Wednesdays. Yeah, I, look, I don't think he could have picked a better dancing partner than Jay White and Bullet Club, man. I mean, <laughs> CM Punk versus Bullet Club is something people like put together on it was a Fire Pro or whatever that video game that people can do all their custom stuff on. Like that's that's a ridiculous centerpiece for any program. And all credit to the elite and you know BCC who are who are very attaining. But I look at BCC, I look at MJF, I look at Young Bucks. Some people hate these guys. Some people love these guys. 
very difficult to kind of discern who's baby faces and heels. Adam Cole and MJF was a, I mean, it was very compelling TV last night. Don't get me wrong. But again, like, I don't really know what's going on there with that dynamic. But with Punk in the in the Bullet Club, it's so easy. You hate these guys. You like Punk. I, I think it's just, a, it's that's what makes that show different for me right out of the gate is how easily it is to define the characters over on Collision. And I like that. You know what I mean? Personally. And you've also, the way they've set this up now with the Owen Hart Cup is that it looks like the men's bracket, this is primarily going to be a collision tournament that yeah. you will probably get a punk match every week through Calgary with the belief he's going to at least the finals and the potential of a Joe match in there. Like they have certainly stacked the deck for this first month all around punk matches potentially. Yeah, well, and on that, yeah, so Fightful reported yesterday that Kenta was out. Him and CM Punk not happening, no real reason given, but if you look at Kenta's Twitter feed, it's pretty obvious that he probably didn't get the money he wanted or the offer he wanted since that's all he seems to be tweeting about in regard to the Punk match. So maybe down the road, but to, to make good, to get Punk on the show, yeah, they're going to do this Owen, Owen Hart Cup tournament quarterfinal match, CM Punk versus Kojima which is, again, another weird kind of fantasy match. I loved Kojima's I'm sitting here eating bread, fighting out of the, about this tweet last night. Um, and it, it puts him on the card. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Punk on the card is good. I'm sure there'll be some buys for that. I don't know how much it pushes it. I'm far more interested to find out what happens when, when he and the elite finally have to share a locker room, which is what's going to happen here this Sunday, you know? Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways, that's the very interesting question about Sunday is they're all under one roof and you go into it and there's either an issue with it. And if there's not an issue, then it, it does become like this question of, OK, we can all be professionals at work. OK, what's the next step here? So, yeah, that's an interesting part of Sunday. What was the reaction like in the arena? Because it's not as though the Kojima reveal was like the, this big segment or brought up in the promo. What was it? noticeable like was it just like the graphic and did the crowd realize that punk is wrestling on on sunday or was it sort of just kind of a, a blip in the show yeah no it was very kind of blink if you miss uh, blink and you missed it yeah they threw the graphic up for the tournament brackets on the screen uh no call out or anything everybody kind of slowly realized punk versus kojima was announced and it was kind of this cool like oh everybody started like ah, oh, it was nice it was like an aperitif you know uh, it, it was a cool little moment, but again, you know, I heard you guys talk about how you know, 20% bump or whatever this, this to me, and I've been, I'm, I'm optimistic on punk's ability to help everything draw right now in, in that direction. This didn't feel like a big deal to me. It just kind of felt, Oh, punk will be on the show. That's cool. No, I, I felt similar that if punk was wrestling on Sunday, um, that reveal on, on Wednesday felt, um, sort of just like he's this add on to the show. It's like, it's CM punk wrestling. Um, but it was with you know, less, less promotion than any of his two collision matches have received so far. So we, we can see if he does some big promo on, on Saturday um, to set things up. If you do an angle with Kojima the night before, uh, but really it's the way you come out of Wednesday, it's the idea of a singles match against Kojima and it's punk wrestling was sort of the feel. It didn't feel like a kind of a difference maker match for the success or failure of this pay-per-view. It was uh, it was fun because last night I got to take my wife with me to the show. I, I don't know. Does your wife come to a lot of wrestling or no? No, no. She is not a, a wrestling a wrestling follower. Okay, okay. So my wife also not really a wrestling follower, but she does know that I've been like steeped in this punk thing since All Out. 
And so uh, she wanted to come see Punk come back and like be a part of it and everything. She had such a good time at Collision. She came back to Dynamite with me. It was incredible. Um, and she was having so much fun at Dynamite. She liked Dynamite. For what it's worth, she enjoyed Dynamite a lot more than Collision. She thought the like, Jeff Jarrett, Mark Briscoe thing was just ridiculous. And she is in love with Shibata right now, who I guess mm. looks like some... Uh, do you ever watch Sailor Moon? You an anime kid? No, not not as much, but I, I will follow the analogy. All right. Well, it's not an analogy. She just thinks Shibata looks like this guy called Tuxedo Mask, who is like, I think, Sailor Moon's boyfriend. So okay. anyway, she's going to buy posters and stuff, put them all over his, her wall or whatever. She's in love with Shibata. That's long story short. Um, but the, the all the New Japan talent that was on Dynamite last night, like getting to explain to her who who's Okada. She knew Suzuki. She'd seen him at like a warrior wrestling show. Um, but like it, it felt like a big and cool deal. And you know, this show doesn't have a whole lot of kind of build to it, but man, it does have such a fun card, right? And we could run down the card here a little bit. There's a couple of other things I want to talk to, but after last night, I was way, 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 way more excited for forbidden door two, uh, than before. And it is so hard for them to find a way to put focus on things because everything's moving so fast right now. But I really thought they did a good job with forbidden door hype last night. Yeah, I mean, this has not been a show that has had um, um, a tremendous amount of like on-screen promotion and big angles to set it up. But I'd argue that I I think this is one of those cards each year that also requires the least amount. And I think a lot of us underestimated last year of just the dynamic of AEW versus New Japan and what that would mean to people. And this year, I would say these top two matches are as strong as you could have booked for this show. And with a dream match scenario in Danielson and Okada, that I thought that was handled really well last night. The whole night was built towards Okada's one appearance uh, in the lead up to it. And with Osprey and Omega, you could certainly argue that that would have been more effective with something last night as sort of your your last big segment going into Sunday. But I'm I'm higher on this pay per view just in terms of how it's going to perform. And I think like last year, oh, there was a lot of criticism about the build, but. Ultimately, people were really captured by the interpromotional dynamics and the card that jumped out on paper. I think you'll have a similar feel to this one on, on Sunday because it looks like a very good card. Yeah, I, I, I want to put over uh, the Sting Jericho stuff, too, because I didn't think they were going to pull the plug on, or not pull the plug, but uh, uh, pull the trigger on do having those two actually share a ring this early. I thought they would hold off for Wembley, but they're going to do it here at Forbidden Door. I thought those two, I thought Sting in particular came across like a huge star, really reminded you of, of why this guy is so good. Just very calm, has a big, you know, big star feel to him. Uh, I, I was I was also very excited with the way they they built that up. I thought it was very fun. Yeah, it's it's got the sort of structure of a lot of like big New Japan shows where you have your key matches and then it's a lot of multi-mans, but they did it in such a way last night that they made, you know, a lot of compelling ways to get to these multi-mans, whether it's the BCC and the elite with who the two partners will be, who Sting and Darby will team with, and this first time meeting with Jericho and Sting. So it's adding like more sizzle to some of these multi-mans rather than just throwing guys together to round out a card. And MJF's actually going to wrestle. I'm glad that the storyline going into the show is will will Max actually show up to to have this match? You no, know, Max is going to show up. He's going to have this match. It's going to go down. Um, yeah, yeah. So the 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 one week of uh, drama, and uh, I, I don't know what we necessarily achieve by by teasing that he wouldn't do the match, but we're here 
you can't you can't succumb to the accusation of being a coward. That's just too much. It, it does kind of take a little bit of the wind out of it for me when there's like so much being built up between him and Cole. You know, I think the match with him and Tanahashi would be great, obviously, but not, really not much believability here that Max is going to lose his championship. Yeah, and and then I guess they've announced as well Adam Cole and Tom Waller for the show on Sunday as well. Really. That was uh that was one of the angles that they did. I I think it was an angle on Rampage. So we didn't that, stick around for all of Rampage. Sadly. Well, there 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 you have it. I, I I wonder where Rampage is going to be a month from now. I think that's that's the other question about all of this in terms of like what. Regardless, like they certainly have the talent from Wednesday nights to still fill this show out. But I just wonder, like, I'm always amazed at just what what is the capacity for your average viewer that watches just just a few hours of WWE a week and a few hours of AEW and how much is too much that you just have to cut stuff out of your weekly viewing and rampage could certainly be a casualty here. I, the way rampage was explained to me when I started hearing the rumors of, you know, how this new TV rights deal was being negotiated, a possible $1 billion it's value and all that. The rampages value was explained to me as something that they can easily move around their schedule um, and maybe put it just before or just after other things they're looking to give a little bump to, or they think that AEW would complement. So from the way it was described to me, you know, the flagship shows, the flagship shows, this show is intentionally supposed to be something that's more of a floating piece of content for your diehards. And, you know, again, maybe you can grab a couple new uh, people from to watch AEW if you plant this thing right before or after something where maybe there's people in the same demo. Does that make sense? You know? It, yes and no. I think that there is like ultimately, listen, if 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 Warner Brothers sees a, a value in just pro wrestling content in prime time, that's obviously a positive. I just wonder like how much th this floating show would have towards helping anything else when you're getting to such a such a base audience. Like we, we've seen some pretty low numbers for Rampage and this is not in the collision era. So I only see that somewhat being diluted as we continue to just add hours on. Like that's just the nature of the beast is that you are going to have attrition when you're trying to build up another night of the week and how many hours are going to be allocated for what is not considered, you know, must-see programming for, for people. And I think Rampage has reached that for, for people. But like, we'll see. Sometimes you get surprising numbers. Like last week, it was not a really hyped up show, but it ended up doing significantly better than the week before. It's, it's very hard to forecast what hits with people with Rampage and, and what is going to be a totally missable show. I think I accidentally deleted it off the run sheet. But this past week has seen WWE announce two more uh, PLEs for Saturday nights. They've got Fastlane, I think, is going to be in October. Uh, but I definitely know that Payback is going to be uh, Saturday, September 2nd. Now, uh, not much has really been made about that Saturday, September 2nd date yet, but that is the uh, Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would seem that WWE got the jump on attention for that weekend. I, I still, I would, last I've heard, I think AEW plans on running a show that weekend, maybe at United, you know, the weekend after All In. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I mean, that that's sort of, I mean, you, you had like a mega correct, state as much and i think if you're going on that the idea that all out is happening that that weekend i mean you know how tony khan has like tied in these certain weekends and traditional markets and chicago labor day weekend has been a weekend that they have owned in the pro wrestling space so i mean i'm i'm going of the impression that all out happens that that weekend and chicago has been the home of all out
So do you think when these WWE PLEs run head-to-head with Collision and CM Punk, uh, it'll really hurt the viewership of Collision? Or do you think there's going to be like some kind of macabre intrigue to see how CM Punk uh, tries to combat WWE throwing their absolute best at him? I think that those shows, I guess the first time we're going to see what strategy AEW exhibits is going to be SummerSlam when they they have the first head-to-head because Money in the Bank is an afternoon show, so they're not going to have to deal with that. So to me, Collision needs to, like that to me, of all the competition they have, like yes, in the the fall you'll have uh, football coming back, you'll have you know, tons of sports to deal with. UFC is going to be on every Saturday night, but it's those WWE shows once a month that are going to be, to me, to potentially take the biggest chunk out of a AEW audience. So I would certainly build those shows with that in mind. If I'm AEW, you can look at it from the side of, I think it's it's just building what is going to feel like the more important show rather than the idea that one's on a subscription service and one is on cable television. I think that WWE is riding a very hot wave at the moment. And when they have a show that feels hot, it's going to be tough to combat that. And I would certainly think that Collision beefs those shows up to be can't miss shows once a month to try and you know, retain as much of their audience as possible. Those are going to be tough nights each it's, month. It's going to be such a wild, fun summer for pro wrestling fans because that's a good dynamic you could describe. We didn't really get treated this week yet to what I think the longer-term dynamic of dynamic and or dynamite and collision is going to be because if if this becomes a bit of ups, one-upsmanship where Punk goes out and does some awesome bit of storytelling or whatever on Saturday night and then the Elite want to come back and do some awesome bit of storytelling or whatever they want to do on dynamite. You have those two entities combating each other. But then again, yeah, every so often WWE walks into the room and they want to up their game. Once again, it is a lot for Tony Khan. One of the things I've been very heartened by recently with the reporting is the increase in amount of producers and writers, I guess that you want to call them. Uh, You know, Jimmy Jacobs was obviously one. Chris hero was just rolling around not too long ago. More names like that, man. They are, they are reaching maximum capacity when it comes to amount of content you can do from a pro wrestling company at the moment. Yeah, I've also been encouraged by a lot of the names that they have brought in and also the the generation that they are tapping into as well. Like these are, uh, this is a, a younger generation that has come up in the post-2001 period of independent wrestling, of Ring of Honor, and you're tapping into, you know, someone like a Will Washington that is yeah. has never worked for a wrestling company before, that has a lot of great ideas that you can tap into a Sanjay Dutt, Chris Hero, Jimmy Jacobs. It's it's all like interesting minds and names that you are in that have not been in outside of like Sanjay Dutt have not been, you know, involved significantly in creative positions over the last uh decade. Like even a Jimmy Jacobs, like this has only been, you know, several years since he transitioned to become become a writer as well. It's still like younger voices and I think that could over the long term, play a, a big role in this whole thing. It's interesting too because uh, it does look like Ring of Honor is going to be taping with Collision, and and uh, there will be, I guess, Rampage is also with Collision, and then I I, I don't really know what's going to be going on with Dynamite. We'll find out. But I do. I had always heard ROH is going to be tied to Collision, and two things on that. First of all, it's really cool that they have so many ROH actual legends rolling around their locker room right now on Saturdays. Uh, they're doing a really good job. ROH for all of the kind of what is Tony Khan going to do with this? He's got so much going on. How do you make this thing? I think they're moving in the right 
direction for it. I don't love the platform that it's on because I think it's almost impossible for people to keep up with. But I think that they got the right vibe for talent right there. And the fact that at a moment's notice you could, you know, tap a Samoa Joe or a punk or whoever to come over and add something to that mix. There's something there. It's not refined yet, but I feel like they are working towards something over there. Yeah, I, I'm the same with you in terms of the platform. I like if if you're piggybacking the tapings, certainly that probably makes the most sense that you had this revolving door between collision talent that can jump onto ROH. I think the idea of like where we were a few months ago, where an Eddie Kingston was exclusive to ROH. I just don't see how that makes sense at this point when you need these names on your, your prime shows, they can go back and forth, but like an Eddie Kingston or a Shibata or an Athena, like they need to be utilized on dynamite or a collision where you're reaching the most amount of people, as opposed to a platform that has at last word, 15,000 subscribers. It's just, um, I, I, I just feel like the honor club, um, project is, to me, it's it's not enough of an incentive for a, a, a mass amount of people to sign up for two more hours of weekly television. I just don't think that's enough of a carrot to dangle for people when it's a chore just to keep up on the free wrestling that they're getting each week. What's your vibe on uh, how much value Warner Brothers Discovery sees in uh, Ring of Honor and and the art and the library too? Because that's the one thing every time anytime I talk about Ring of Honor and their value goes, well, they got the library. That's like a hundred thousand hours that they can add and sell off. Does does that does that resonate with you or no? I mean, to me, the I think we just have to look at what occupies the the Warner Brothers schedule when it comes to Ring of Honor. Nothing. Yeah. Um, like you you were shopping this show and it's on Honor Club. So I mean, that to me is telling that. For whatever reason, it's like we brought this up in, in our Tony Khan interview last week. It was like you were shopping this show and it wasn't it didn't end up on TNT. It didn't end up on TBS. And then a few months later, hey, we need a new wrestling show and we go and, and collision is there. So it's like it's not that they're averse to wrestling, but it seems to be AEW branded wrestling. They are more than happy to occupy their primetime schedule with the library. And this was interesting because when when we were at the fight network and a lot of the, they had the deal to with, with ring of honor and man, a lot of work had to go into that footage just to get it to be presentable on air. And right. I know that they had, that was a big stumbling block when they launched honor club under the Sinclair banner, just to get that first year up was they had to do a lot of work just, and it's not just like the quality of it, which was not always the highest. It was also like music that was all, all over these videos as well. So it's like if you're a Warner Brothers and you're looking at a library, I think you want stuff that is just turnkey that we can instantly put up. We don't want to put a ton of resources into. Now, a lot of that for Honor Club may already be um, at least somewhat rectified with the, the footage and such. But if you're taking uh, however many thousands of hours and we've got to put all these man hours into fixing it, right. no thank you. This is, I think it's a very small return you're going to get to service a very niche wrestling audience for for a streaming service that offers you know kobashi and joe from 2005 that certainly there's a segment that i was would about love to, to say i was Max. about to say you're gonna upset some kobashi joe fans here right now john that comment yeah well i i just see it being a potentially an add-on but you know the idea of seeing and, and like hearing gabe sapolsky on max maybe maybe we will uh see that down the road but to me it would be in addition to a big AEW package and it's it's like throwing it. 
God willing, Gabe Sapolsky to Max. Um, the other the other thing about the ROH taping alongside Collision, I'm waiting for the for the first person to come along and ask Tony uh, about how uh, how he his story for everything building up to All Out involving Colt Cabana was we're moving him to Ring of Honor. He's a Ring of Honor guy, of course. What are you guys talking about? All right, now Ring of Honor's right alongside Collision. Who's the first person to ask Tony Khan, is Colt Cabana going to keep working ROH? Because I think it's a fair question, but it's not going to make anything better. And I know that, right? No. I, I mean, maybe is that on your list today? I'm just saying somebody's probably going to ask it. And it's 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 a worthwhile Dude, it's a, it's a completely fair question. And right? it's one that should be answered. And oh, not- John is alluding to the media call that Tony Khan is doing here in about four hours. So I don't know. I hadn't really thought about, hmm, maybe. I guess I coming from me, I think it would just create a bunch of drama, but I think it's a very fair question, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a natural question and all of these are natural questions. And to me, it is, it it is where they currently stand, where I think Tony would be more than happy to never get any more of these questions. However, (laughs) when you are building your collision debut around what is CM Punk going to say, and then you're inserting lines about the bucks like it is only natural that your audience is going to be led in this direction. So this is both your blessing and your curse that it has placed this big spotlight on this new show built around punk that is left with all of this drama from the last nine to 10 months. The other question that I also brought up this week, Nick, I'd be curious for you. Okay. Is there any, is there any possibility um, that punk is put in front of the media on Sunday night after forbidden door. Or do you think that is the last thing they would, they would do selfishly. I hope they wait till all out. Cause that's the one I'll be at. Um, but no, I think there's a good chance he goes out there. I mean, you know, look punk right now is riding a hot streak. He's riding a wave. Like I, I was at his debut uh, at the second rampage ever when he came back and man, what an electric energy was in the room. This one is different. This one isn't just like, we're happy to see you. This one's almost like, it's very territorial. You know, somebody... Uh, totally, Twitter- totally. That's, uh, not to interrupt, that was such a vibe of that Saturday promo. It was like, this is our leader for, for this fan base. It's yes. like, you are either pro-punk or anti-punk. There's nothing in between. And it was punk doubling down that yes. if you don't like me, there's plenty that do. I will not change for my constituency. And that was his constituency in Chicago that he was speaking to and th- that I'm sure you can attest to. And then he'll go on Instagram and be like, why is there all this tribalism? Um, but, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but no, it, it feels different, right? Like there's this vibe. I somebody I see you got Bret Hart over your shoulder right there. He emulates Bret Hart. And in a way, he has now, I think, become Bret Hart, right? He's got the in-ring stuff, but now he has his Canada. He has his place where he can go and do no wrong. And he'll go down to Reseda and they'll hate him, right? You know, it's it's that vibe that he's got right now. Um, I, ho- I hope at Forbidden Door, with everybody seeing how well the punk return is going. It's undeniable. The guy's back. You can't take him off now unless he goes ahead and pops Tony Khan in the face next, which I don't see coming. I think he's probably got his head head on pretty straight right now. He's not going anywhere. If you're not going anywhere, I hope at Forbidden Door, these two, these parties can finally sit down and work it out. It'll be the first opportunity for him to do it. I, I We're either going to get one of three stories. One, they sat down, worked it out. Two, they didn't talk to each other at all. Or three, there was some giant mess in the catering area. It'll be one of those three stories come out of Forbidden Door. I hope it is the first one, 
where they do take this opportunity to sit down and work it out because it is becoming abundantly obvious that punk is functionally working right now. And the fans are here for them. And I, I, there's no reason to fight at this point. The fight is over in my opinion. Yes. And, and if you do look closely uh, to outline where this relationship was with, with Brett, we had all these Hitman heart posters and Brett would sign these. If you can look closely by putting the black eye on Vince that he gave him in Montreal while putting devil horns on top of Vince. And he signed all of these posters with those devil horns and the black eye that he used a Sharpie to illustrate um, his disdain for, for the man. And that, that's one of the reasons I, I put this poster up is just for the, the Bret Hart additions to the Vince McMahon outline. It's incredible. I'm looking at it right now. And if again, premier streaming network, only place to find us in video form. Uh, that's a nice little tidbit right there. But, man, it is. It's crazy, right? He has become Bret Hart. He's even got his little Bret Hart tag buddies who are at FTR. What a, what a moment. Uh, it, it just feels different, and it was just cool to be there. It, it's just, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'm very interested. All right. What, what of- was the reaction during the Eddie Kingston promo when when the Bucks, when, when the Elite were brought up? Because on television, it sounded like like there were audible boos, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything like uh, overwhelming hatred. Was it? I- what did you hear? I will say that I, I, there was the vignette they aired the pre-tape that had the, the elite and then Eddie popped in. And is that the one you're talking about? Are you talking about Eddie's in-ring promo? When, when Eddie was in the ring and actually oh. brought up the brought up the elite and then couched it with, I don't like them or respect them, but I hate was, Claudio more. Yeah, it was, it, was ta- it, it was not what it was for the pre-tape. The pre-tape, the lights went out. They showed the elite on the big screen. That place erupted in booze. To oh, the wow. Because po- we the- couldn't hear the crowd at all at home. I shared a video of it uh, over on on the wrestling at Wrestling House, the House Wrestling Twitter feed. But it erupted in booze, and it was so bad that I think the fans like caught themselves, and then it was like it got a little less. But there were people that were still like screaming terrible things, like right over my shoulder. I yeah, it was a rowdy crowd last night. Very very anti elite. If the elite had come out, it would have not been good for them. At least as far as the reaction they got you know so yeah i mean it's i mean you have led the fans to want this so i think that that is going to be the expectation for a a lot of fans no matter what is said publicly yeah um all right well uh again i didn't stick around for all the rampage taping uh last night as i have a dog to walk um but we uh we did get the return of john morrison on rampage last night looks like he'll be aligned with qt marshall Good for him. Taya looked great last night. I felt bad for the women on Dynamite for what it's worth because the crowd was just it. It just goes. It was flat when that match started. They really did their best to win it back. I thought they had a good bout last night on Dynamite. I, I thought they did very well in the slot that they were in. They were following like that pretty lengthy uh, tag match with Cassidy and Shibata, yeah. and you know they, they they got their time. And it, you're sort of looking at your clock because you knew that you know we still got this Eddie Kingston segment, the Danielson Okada stuff that they were. Like this was uh, like cramming in that final segment into the last uh, eight or nine minutes. But I, I agree with you. I, I think that Chris Statlander has been um, a, it's been a great return thus far. I think they could go more into her whole comeback story from these injuries and sort of add that dimension. But I think overall, like, yeah, they did have a very good job on the show. Yeah. And uh, again, happy to see Johnny, whatever he's going to call himself back on TV. Very talented guy. I Man, he's just, he's like Cardona or Ziggler or whatever. He just pops up and does little stuff and goes away. It's kind of where he's at right now, I guess. So. Uh, you, you know, just adding to that cage match profile of uh, companies worked. And yeah, AEW, the list, the, the latest, whether he is uh, Dynamite, Johnny Collision, Johnny Rampage. 
Johnny uh, All Access. Yep, Johnny uh, Johnny Dark, right? You can catch that one now. Nobody's doing Dark, right? Uh, Dark's gone. Uh, lastly here, Premier Streaming Network, the home of this show here on Tuesday, Thursdays in video form. They got a big show coming up, the Wrestling Showcase here later this summer, and uh, our good friend Bill Apter is going to be uh, getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm a big fan of Bill's. Just want to give him some love here, premiere a little bit of love here at the end of the show. Have you read Bill's book? Yes, I, I read it actually not all that long ago. Really interesting um, stories of like just this guy being on the phone every day with all the key uh, promoters of, of the day. I, I would definitely recommend uh, his book, whether you were a magazine reader or not. Just uh, tons of great stories that uh, he was involved with. Of course, I think everyone knows like the, the Kaufman connection, but man, a guy that was so plugged in and a totally different era where the magazines were, they were so interdependent with, the major territories and the major stars of what that value was of getting on the cover of a pro wrestling illustrated and having that exposure because you were limited to your territories TV and here are these magazines, they got your name out there. So you could show up in New York and your fan base, they've seen Mil Moskris on the, on the cover. They've seen a dusty roads from the magazine exposure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I am big bail after fan. Go check out the book. If you have it, it's called uh, is wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Um, wonderful. And it, it, as I read Bill's book, I wish that we had like a pro wrestling news office, right? There's enough of us where if we had like a real office, we could sit around calling people, papers flying. That doesn't exist. Everybody just works from home now, you know? The, the Mad Men version of uh, pro wrestling media, maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe a scripted drama. Um, you, can, you can get right on that, Nick. I think you could be the, uh, the showrunner. Don't think I haven't. Don't think that I didn't bring this up because I haven't thought about it or have maybe have some notes jotted down. But anyway, conversation for another day. All right. Well, everybody, that brings us to the end of our uh, news for today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Come back tomorrow uh, on the House of Wrestling podcast feed and live on all the House of Wrestling pop, uh, platforms, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, noon Eastern. We're going to have a live AEW fantasy draft. Me and EJ Cameron, one of the longest serving uh, Second City main stage cast members in Chicago history. One of the funniest people I know. We are going to do this live draft. We're going to pick sides. I'll be collision. He's going to be dynamite. We're going to do something that in the long run means nothing. We're going to have a great time doing it. So come back tomorrow. A little way to end your week. And, of course, uh, go over to the House Wrestling Podcast feed. Show us love. Best way to do that. Leave a nice review um, or rating, whatever you want. John, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up uh, your time in the house today? Well, uh, thanks, Nick. I really appreciate the invite this week and uh, giving uh, your, your platform over here and uh, inviting the Post Wrestling crew this week. Uh, all of our shows can be found at postwrestling.com, uh, including uh, weekly shows that I do with Brandon Thurston and with Wei Ting among our uh, many shows. And if you so choose to support us, you can go to postwrestlingcafe.com. We do about uh, four bonus shows per week. It helps uh, keep the post office running. We've got, you know, the House of Wrestling, the Post Office, you know, we go for all, all of these uh, different metaphors for our pro wrestling space. And uh, quickly, this Sunday, if you are in Toronto, we're going to be doing a, a live edition of Ask Away at Real Sports, which is this uh, giant stadium bar across the street from the Scotiabank Arena. Doors open at 3. We'll be doing a live podcast, uh, wrestling trivia, wrestling karaoke, wrestling-themed drinks, plus an after party after Forbidden Door. Tickets are at postwrestling.com slash live. Very limited amount left. So uh, if you want to snag a ticket, you're welcome to do so. Uh, that's coming up this Sunday, uh, wrapped around Forbidden Door. All right, everybody. 
Uh, and, of course, you can go follow us uh, at Wrestling House on Twitter, houseofwrestling.com. Thanks so much for dropping in, everybody. Grab your hat, grab your shoes, grab whatever. Get on out the door. But remember, you're welcome back anytime. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country... Buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.